Hello and welcome to the Ride It Out podcast, the official podcast of Summer Nats, the world's wildest car festival. My name's Jay Benz. I'm joined by my mate, Owen Webb, a.k.a. O-Dub. Webby, where have you, what's, what's going on in your world, mate? Hey, plenty going on in my world. I've been out and about again this week. I've done a, only in New South Wales. Definitely haven't been to been south of the border or, or any overseas trips, but really busy <laughs> with work. <laughs> no, really busy with work again and, and really enjoying it. And yeah, a little bit of work on my car. Next week, I'm going to put a, a update picture of where I'm at with my car. So awesome. Yeah, nice. I might do, uh, put my foot in it here, but I might do the same thing because I've been making a little plan about what's going to happen Correct. with my, my VL and a few things. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be talking to a few mates of mine, so it's it's going to be interesting. interesting build. I'm, and, I, and I've mentioned to you uh, quite a few times, um, Jay Benz, about mm-hmm. – how many new cars and that we've got. But I've got another, I've got a, a message today. I've got another guy with uh, four cars. He's a builder. He's got four cars. We're going to end up with over 40 brand new cars at either Motor X or Summonats or split up between both of them. So it's just been a fantastic time. You'll need, you'll need a shoulder reconstruction after pulling all those, <laughs> all those sheets off, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's going to be really good. We're going to, I'm not sure yeah. how we're going to do it, but we'll, we'll have all these new cars this year and it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, and being there in person to watch that happen is nothing better. Like you, you can watch it online later on, but being there, you've got to be there. Got to be there. Absolutely. You have to be there. And then the big part of that is a lot of these guys have put three, four, five years into building these cars. And I think what's happened now, but with the, the whole lockdown thing from the beginning of this year, they've just really all hooked in and got them done. So, yeah. And pro- probably pro- probably will find, I guess, that people have gone one, about one or 2% extra too. They're like, you know what, I've got that bit of time. I'll. I'll get under the, under the car and fix that little bit and these, you know, these suspension arms and make them mint. Correct. All sorts of Correct. stuff. Definitely. Awesome. Definitely, mate. All right. Let's get on with the show. This show is going to be mad. We've got the mastermind behind World Time Attack Challenge uh, that's held at Sydney Motorsport Park, Ian Baker. He's one of my favourite people. He's a crazy guy. He's uh, super cruisy, but he's funny, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy this interview. Uh, you've had a little bit to do with him before, Webby, as well? Yeah, yeah, terrific guy. I've had, I think I went to his first event, actually, and then uh, he's he's supported us with Motor X back in the early days, and and then, yeah, we just had a, had a great relationship. So, yeah, terrific guy, a lot of passion. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a great bloke. He's, he, he, he says what he does, you know. Uh, he yeah. does what he says, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I know what you meant. Yeah, he does. Exactly, exactly. All right. Then we've got Simon Telford, who is the uh, who's just handed over the reins to Street Machine to Andrew Broadley. But we've got Telfon to talk about things. It's time his time at Street Machine, how his automotive journey shaped as a kid from cars when he was young to getting old. You know, not old, but I shouldn't. He's going to give me a smack in the jaw, I think, by calling him old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not old, but he's done a lot he's in a short time. Yeah, he, he just he's got a, he's got an old head, you know. I guess in a sense of uh, now I'm putting my foot yeah. in it even more, aren't I? <laughs> no, no, no. No, I know what you mean. But, he, but no, he's yeah. intrigued a lot in, in, a, in a short amount of time. So, That's, yeah, exactly. This is why we got you here, mate, for the words of wisdom. <laughs> Baker and Telford, how about that, Webby? It's good, eh? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Two, two great guys. Yeah, looking forward to chatting with those guys. But we want to let you guys know this is the second last episode of season one. So we've got an episode coming next week as well. Don't uh, make sure you tune in for that one. That one's going to be killer. Obviously, we're not into this one yet. This one's going to be killer as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's going to be season one. I think we've had quite a few guests on, mate. Like for everyone from champion football players, boxers. Yeah. You know, um, it's been good. We have. We've had some of the best sporting people, entertainers, uh, you know, rappers, and, yep. and then we probably had the best drag racing guy, the best. Um, yeah, V8 supercar drivers and just um, drivers in general, and John Bow and Jim Richards. So, yeah, we have had a, a great group of people on and, and enjoyed Rob, Rob Wishart. We can't forget Rob Wishart. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I mean, absolutely enjoyed talking to all of them. Uh, obviously, it's been a little bit, of, a lot of information about them, but I reckon we've learned a lot and, and shared yeah. a lot of that, that, that stuff. I've had a lot of comments from people outside saying, oh, I didn't know that that guy was in the cars, or I didn't know this was happening, or I didn't know he'd done all that. And that was really good. Yeah, it's been brilliant to get to get all these guys on here and get into their heads about everything automotive and. You know, people, yeah. a lot of people that, some of the people that we've had on, most people wouldn't even know, like you said. Yeah. And like, even people like Victor, he's a, 
He's a car guy. A lot of people would have heard of Victor Bonet, but that interview with him and Ben, it was just awesome. Yeah. They were just really, really He's a really funny guy, Victor. <laughs> yeah. And everybody has been so giving with their time and, and yep. they've all enjoyed it. So it's been terrific. Awesome. All right, we're here with the rock star of World Time Attack, the Bald Rock Hotel's most favourite son and West Ham's number one ticket holder, Ian Baker. What's happening, mate? <laughs> How are you, Josh? Good to speak to you, mate. Absolutely, mate. Uh, in your wildest dreams, would you ever think that you'd run a festival that's probably one of the country's favourite automotive, uh, you know, get-togethers? Well, I guess it was always a plan, really, you know. Um, it started out as a small little thing and then, yeah, it was always – I always had the big vision to do that, though. Yeah, nice. So you grew up, you've grown up in Sydney, Ian, is that right? Yeah, yeah, from Sydney, yeah. Yeah, nice. Digging through your, your socials and looking on the back wall there, it seems you've, uh, you're a skater, a skater at heart and a bit of a muse, <laughs> Used to be, yeah. Well, I was younger, but I guess I never really grew up, so. <laughs> you pick up the guitar quite a bit too, I'm told. I used to, till I cut my finger off in 2011. I, had a, I actually had over 100 guitars at one stage, but then um, I sort of I lost my finger in an industrial accident and... Um, and yeah, I haven't played since because I can't really. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You haven't tried to slide, put the slide on the end, or tried to. Well, slide? you know, it's it's sort of. I only ever did it for fun. So once it wasn't fun anymore, I just move on to something else. You know. Yeah, nice. What kind of music were you into as a kid, or even now? I'm um, rock and roll, and you know, a bit of blues and that sort of stuff, and a bit of everything really. Yeah, nice. Just to get into cars, how did how did what was your what was your first car? What kicked it off for you? Was it is it something that was handed down to you the, the like for cars or? No, not at all. But I, I you know, I, I did my apprenticeship as a fitter and turner um, at Commonwealth Engineering. We, we built trains. But I guess always from day one, I was just the first word before I said mum, I said car, right? <laughs> um, and then I just grew up, um, you know, it was from even before I had a license, I bought a Volkswagen and, and I sort of tinkered with that in the shed. And then I finished up, you know, we built crazy 2.1 litre engines, 2.2 litre engines, all that stuff. And then eventually um, I finished up putting a Mazda rotor in it. Back then, Mazda rotor was sort of, an unheard of thing, really, you know. And I bought the thirteen B for two hundred bucks, and yeah, then right. um, and then went for a whole series of things with that. And, and I run a business from my mum's garage, basically selling secondhand parts, and just did a bit of you know. From day one, I sort of had that stuff. And in the end, I it, the car it was still my daily driver, and that engine I had in it actually came seventh outright at Bathurst in the Easy Pav RX Seven. The peripheral ports, they had to premix the fuel, and this is all like a long. This is in the eighties, you know. So it was um. Yeah, it was pretty cool, though. Cool thing. The neighbours certainly knew when I was coming home. <laughs> I remember when we had Mad Mike on, we were talking to him, and he said that he um, some of the first rotary engines, he were porting them in the garage with like a, you know, <laughs> with a drill yeah, bit. So I, never, I always <laughs> bought the engines done. You could buy the whole car, you know, with a, with an engine, a 51 ID8, and then I'd, I'd swap that motor out and put, put my old motor in there and take the peripheral port, put the bridge board in there and just do a bit of wheeling and dealing. But it, but it was, you know, it was very cheap back then in those days, you know, compared to, now, you know, you, you just, it was, yeah, it's a different world, really. Yeah, I read that, that so that wheeling and dealing stuff turned into a bit of a, a career for you in um, developing automotive parts. Is that right? Yeah, so so in in the 80s, I, I went through as a fitter and turner, and then I finished up working for Nestle, doing high-speed wrapping machines, and and um, and then and doing stuff at the dairy. We did all, the, I learned TIG welding, and, and then, and then eventually, one day I fell off a ladder, and... I was mates with EJ from All Purple, yeah, and like we sort of grew up together. And, and um, he was building these London taxis. Um, they put V6 Commodore motors in them, and, and he said, and I was on crutches, I had beads in my hair, <laughs> dreadlocks, and whatever. And he said, come down and while you're on compo, come down and um, meet these guys for this taxi thing. And it turns out they're all the guys from Benson's Turbo, and it, this is all in its infancy. This is in 1991, I reckon, and. Um, so I went down there while I was on combo to do some bench work and, and all the guys, it was really interesting. So Bruce Garland was the engineer there who's still, you know, still know Bruce. Um, yep. Back then he'd just come back from working for Rally Art in Europe and um, Steve Kerr was at Benson's Turbo. So there was all these turbo guys. I'm like, this is really cool, you know. So I basically just jumped in with them and I was the fabricator in that in that operation. Um, I left left where I was working for a lot less money, but I just had the passion for the car guys and to learn. And then me and Bruce, um, when that... When that venture ended, I started a company called Performance Metalcraft, which basically um, we were sort of really tur- really pioneering the turbos part uh, in the world, really, you know, and, um, back in the early 90s. And, you know, Pack Performance just started, so they become one of my biggest clients, the Mazda Melbourne, and all these guys. And, and it sort of, and it just grew from there. So, you know, a lot of the guys that are still around today, I knew they were around then, you know. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess. Um... 
I read one of the cool cars you worked on was the Mazda RX-7 SP. That's pretty. So that's an interesting story, actually, that one. So um, back in the early 90s, when they first come out, a guy turned up my workshop and the guys down the BD4s were down the road for us. They were HKS dealer. This guy turned up my door with this car. I'd never even seen it before. It was a brand new RX-7 SP. Um, and he said, you know, I want to hold up. I've heard you guys. I said, look, I don't know. I can have a look at it. And it's all principle the same. You know, we did free up the intake and put a bigger exhaust on it and, and fix the intercooler and all that stuff. So, so we did all that stuff and, um, and, and dynoed it. And I made a, I can't remember what it made, but it made a lot more power than standard. And Peter Muir from Bon Roll Bars used to come on Friday afternoons and have a beer with us, yeah? And he was preparing all the cars for Mazda, the BP course cars. Anyway, I said, you know, look, we just did this. I showed him the dyno sheet. He said, is that what power it made, really? Can I borrow that dyno sheet? And he took it to Mazda. And on Monday morning, Alan Horsley was on the doorstep. But what's even more interesting about this story is the guy that owned that car was a guy named Herbert Applewell, whose parents at the time owned Aeroplane Jelly. But he actually went on to become the CEO of Ferrari Australasia, believe it or not, many years later. And there's a bit of controversy. I'm not going to go into all that stuff, but but it was an interesting um, interesting thing. And that and from that thing, I sort of became involved with Mazda Australia, and we did um, we did yeah basically every SP we were I was involved in. Yeah, you know, I didn't do it myself, but I was certainly involved in a lot of consulting and a lot most of the prototype manufacture I did, um, design work and so on and so forth. Um, Mazda actually in. That would have been 90, just before Drift Australia started, the year before, they gave me an MX-5 that we actually built into a drift car. We're going to do it. It was going to be a semi-worked pro team, but it never got off the ground quick enough. Okay. Um, and Alan was like, you know, if you can, you can fund a bit of it to get going, then, you know, we'll see if we can get it working for you. And, um, and um, but at, at, at Drift Australia was meant to happen that year. It didn't quite happen. So, um, unfortunately, I had to give the car back. <laughs> and it never, that was one of those things that could have been, you know. There was a potential to be, become a um, you know factory drift team with Mazda, but yeah, it never happened. Um, but it was certainly an interesting time in life, and we went on to do the you know MX5 and the RX8, and you know, and then as time went on, and uh, yeah, it was cool, cool story. And no doubt, no doubt, that sort of did that then develop into high octane racing, that sort of all that all that workmanship. Yeah, well, so performance metalcraft and high octane racing run alongside each other for a long time. We actually went into developing in the late 90s. I was preparing a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, like tarmac rally and circuit GDR uh, skylines. Back in those days, there was not a lot of not a lot of that going on. They're quite expensive, and sort of we. I had a bunch of customers that we just you know did, did track days and target Tasmania and bits and pieces, and um, and then high octane sort of evolved off the side of that. And, and eventually, I sold performance metal craft to Leon, who worked with me for years. He's still going, you know, still manufactures a lot of the top stuff. And um, yeah, and I took off with the high octane, which sort of eventually grew into well, well time attack, I guess, you know. <laughs> Around around 2007, that's right. You started the super lap. Yeah, no. So so what started that really was um, we took Mark Berry's GTR to uh, to Japan to run Sakuba. It was just a dream of his, and we were help, able to help him execute it. Mm-hmm. And um, we had the wrong tyres. We had no idea really. Like Mark was a really clever engineer, but and I said to him, I said, mate, all all the tyres are running in Japan. They're all super soft tyres. He said, mate, it won't last on the car over there. It won't last on the GTR. But he'd been running in Australia, you know, in Queensland, I guess, mostly, where the, the, the lowest temperature you get is probably 22 degrees up there. <laughs> and we arrived at Sakuba, it's about four degrees. Yeah, wow. And we couldn't, you couldn't buy the tyres, you've got to pre-order them all. So it was, a, it was a lesson learned, you know, the car did a 59 seconds from memory, but could have gone a lot faster, but we had an amazing experience. And um, and I guess, and that started the whole um, super lap at Oran Park, and I, I sent to Mark, um, at the airport on the way home, I said, you know, we're going to do this in Australia. Like, especially back then. Um, over a beer. You probably said that over a beer, right? For sure. Oh, I think we had enough beer by this stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but what it was, was that, that was, especially back in the, in the, um, in the, in, in that, that part of the 2006, 7, 8 era in Japan, there were all the pro cars that were M speed. Like, you walk into the pits over there and you're like, man, this is killer. Mm. You know, the cars were just a level that you don't see here. Yeah. And I said to Mark, you know, we're gonna, I've got to bring this back to Australia. I didn't know how I was going to do it yet. But I said to Mark, oh, we've got to bring this back to Australia. And he said, if you do that, I'll build an R34. And we shook hands, right? And he started drawing it on the back of a napkin, what he wanted to look like, you know. And then um, I guess I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just said, we come back here and I go, right, we've got to run a time track. Never even run a track, though. I've got to do this, right? 
So I rang up Nathan. I don't know if you remember Nathan Luck. Yes. Used to, yeah, Express. So I rang up and said, dude, I want to run this time. I want to run this time attack event. He goes, you know what? Um, you need to meet my mate at Yokohama Tower. And that day we drove around there. And they become my first sponsor, naming rights for 3000 bucks. <laughs> wow. That's what kicked it off. And we, and I'll tell you, I'd never run a track day before. Now, we literally turned up at the track, but I had a lot of interest in, um, because it, we, I guess we had customers from high octane and I, we amped it up. I've never done this time attack. I've come back from Japan. I've got all these ideas. And, and, and the industry got behind it. Even, it was, even like how tiny it was then, it, it was really exciting and everyone was excited about doing it. And um, so I'd come the day, you know, I was like, everyone's going, so what are we doing? I'm like, I don't know. I've got no idea, man. I've never even done this. So it was a real um, lesson. Every time was a lesson. And that's never changed. Every year we got better and better. Of course, now we've got you know, a cast of thousands running a show and it's, you know, we, we spend more Absolutely. on security than what we spend on the whole operation <laughs> in day one, you know, double oh. probably. I bet. I bet. Is, is there is there a, a super lap award time attack where the penny dropped and go? You know what? This is a bloody killer event. Now, so you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go back to. So we did super lap in two thousand eight and two thousand nine. Yep. And then, and then Oran Park was closing, right? So Jeff Bullos, who actually is still my race director to this day, he's worked every single event for me. <laughs> he's young. He's, he's never left. See, people don't leave. You see, and uh, and uh, so we um. Oran Park was closing, and I said, we are simply not going to have enough revenue coming in to cover the cost of running at Eastern Creek. So we're going to have to do something crazy. Like, we're going to bring these international cars here, you know. So I went down to Christian Hansen at Yokohama. I said, I need to talk to you. Um, man, you've got to help me bring these cars in. We've got to go to America and Japan. Like, it was starting, America was starting to go with a red line time. We're taking super lap battle and stuff. And, and I said, we've got to bring these cars in, you know. It's, I think if we can make it, it's going to have to be, big so that we can get enough revenue in to pay all the bills and pay all the people and so he said how much do you need i said oh, about 100 grand and he said i'd lose my job if i give you 100 grand so <laughs> so then i talked his boss into paying for his airfare to come to me to with japan i'm not lying this is a true story i drove around japan with a one-page document trying to get these teams to come to an event that didn't exist right <laughs> and, and you got to remember this time attack is their gig not mine right yeah. So I'm from Australia, so, and we went to mines, we went to, and, the, and the, a whole bunch of really famous tuning shops, right? And I'm driving around with pretty minimal Japanese language, you know, saying, <laughs> you want to come to our event, you know? And the first team to commit to come was a, com- a team called Panspeed. And we're out to dinner with, um, we're at this fugu restaurant, which is like pufferfish, yeah? And the wife sort of, the wife of the guy sort of, she sort of runs the whole show, you know? So she said, okay, we're going to come. And I went, really? She, and she said in Japanese, I went, yep. So she said, yeah, they're going to come. I went, really? That's so awesome. Thank you, thank you. you know? And then she said, and Steve Glennie was, and she said, but he was looking at this fish, he goes, I'm not, I'm talking, that man, it's poisonous fish. She said, in Japanese, she said, if he doesn't eat that, we're not coming. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to get into this. <laughs> so then, anyway, so then she was like, um, that's funny. So then they said, yeah, we're going to come. You know, the cool car, the yellow RX-7, if I remember it. But then she said, look, we're a Dunlop team, you know. At this stage, we didn't, we didn't run any controls. I was sure you can run whatever you want. And, um, and they had a Super GT driver, so a pretty cool thing, you know, Super GT driver. Then, um, so the yellow, the, they brought the yellow RX-7, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I remember yeah. it in 2010, yeah. Yeah, so the first year we had them, and then we had, we had, uh, and then, and then the, WRX Tomei agreed to come, and then the Cyber Evos said they'd think about it, right? And and then I think Tarzan talked them into it, actually, right? Yeah. Then we flew to Japan, flew from Japan to America, and I want to get I want to get the fastest cars from there. So that was Sierra, Sierra, and FX Motorsport, yeah, the NSX. So FX agreed to come. Um, that, that's another story. They, they didn't make it with their end up. But, but Sierra Sierra, like he's so Dennis is a really nice guy, super successful businessman. I think if he's not a billionaire, he'd be bloody close to it. And he's a really, he's a real passionate racer, you know. I don't, I don't know if he ever raced himself. He owned racing team, Formula Atlantic, and so on. And I said, you know, we're never going to get this guy. So I pulled out my English document, one page document, <laughs> and said, so I went over to him and said, you know, we're, we're doing this thing in Australia. We're going to make a world event of time attack, you know, and. I'd love to get you there. And, and I said, and I'll tell you what, because I said, we're never going to convince this guy to come unless there's a carrot. So I said, I'll tell you what, if you win today, I'm going to ship your car there. And he looked me in the eye and he goes, I'll hold you to that, right? And I went, 
we got this guy. They're going to win today. So, so then they um then they they won, and and I um I, he basically come up to me in the pits. He goes, "Hey, buddy, I want to talk to you." He said, "Where are we going to? Austria." <laughs> I said, "No, we're going to Australia." So the cool part by then, right? So then Christian, like Christian's a car guy, but he was a marketing manager at Yokohama. So he's going. He's going, are they coming? Do you get them? Do you get them? Do you get them coming yet? I said, what does it matter, mate? You can't pay for it. So we've got no money to do it, right? So he's like, we're going to work out how to do this, okay? So, so he, you know, on the way home, we, we went to SEMA show then. So we walk into the SEMA show and he goes, so what do you reckon if uh, I'll do a deal with you on the door? I'll go, yeah, whatever we make up and I'll shoot the car. I went, done, we're on. World time oh, yeah, is happening, right? <laughs> so then we're on, right? It's all from one piece, of, one piece of paper, right? Well, no, it's, it's a case <laughs> that's got... Look, you know what it is, Josh. Over the years, mm. everyone says, get me a sponsor. And I say, well, what's in it for them? Like, mm. It's not, It's got to be a two-way street. So we started like that. And from day one, right, they're still with me hand in hand from every year. We don't, you know, um, and it's worked for both for both me and them, you know. Yep. But that's how it started. Um, and it just grew from there, really. You still got that piece of paper? <laughs> I do somewhere. It's, it's so, it's, but you know what though? That's what it took to do it. You know, yeah, as, as, as mad as it sounds, um, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable story. I'm sure I had a fingerprints and puffer fish all over the piece of paper by the time you yeah. got to America. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and you know what? The, the crazy part about it is, I love Jason's having a real go now. But for many years, you know, drifting drift America is huge. Formula drift is massive. You know, like it's they got multi-million dollar budgets, they've got corporates, they've got manufacturers involved, that's a time attack. It's sort of been kicked around the floor over there, you know, they've, they've had a lot of deals go wrong and I don't know the whole, and it's, mm. not, it's not my job to speak, but Jason's having a go at it now and I, I, he's a really good guy, he's passionate about it, but it's harder than it should have been because of what's happened previously, okay. you know, and it's sort of, and, and because there's bad taste left in people's mouths from previous things of, I don't know what, but America's the market that really should have kicked off, but in fact, we've got to go in here in Australia bigger before anyone else. So. Yeah. And the Japanese love coming here, you know, it's um, cool. I see them in the pits, that's definitely, even for the drifting or the, or, or you know, or the, for Time Attack, absolutely yeah. loving it, absolutely loving it. So, so there was two guys this year that, that, I was in Japan last year, about this time, and these two guys were at GCG Turbo in Japan, my mate shop there, and he, and he said, these guys are coming up from Hiroshima to see you, and I'm like, really? Yeah, so, so they caught the bullet train up and hired a car and then they've driven out the shop and they're like, we want to come to World Time Attack, you know? I'm like, really? What do you got? And they've got these two RX-8s, yeah? Sort of like club spring class cars, you know? Like, doesn't matter, man. This is our dream. And they did it, man. They funded their own way out of here. That whole bunch of RX-8 club enthusiasts that sort of helped them. And I guess that's that's the real nuts and bolts of what we do. Like, the pro yeah. show at the top is yeah. for the fans. Yeah. But the stuff down all the way up is the dream of people, you know, and that's sort of, that's cool, cool stuff, yeah. You know, passion, culture, passion people in those garages. Correct, you walk up and yeah. down the front there and it's, and it's sure it's the ultimate teams, but I guess a lot of these saying is what is true. A lot of that's propped up by these passionate guys, this field for well, a bit lame. But Josh, you know, the whole, even, even well, open class now, like this, the cars are nuts, man. They've all got built <laughs> engines and like it's something because you know why? Look, and, and this is my philosophy that, I think to race any series of anything, and I, I, look, great to have them, but it's not what I do because it's very time-consuming, costly, and you sort of, you only, we're, we're, we're once a year rock and roll. This is the big day out. This is the, you know, and you know what? You can come to this show and look over. Tanaguchi's in the garage next door to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tarzan's driving that car. And Shane Van Gisbergen's in the car next to you so there's all these like rock stars and and you're there too and you're part of it like it's almost unachievable in almost any other form of motorsport i think absolutely yeah 100 yeah. i mean how, how many classes would you have now about six or five no that's no, so we've got uh, we have four classes of of um of time attack and then we have yep. drift and the flying 500 and all these other shows that make it a, yep. yeah make it what it is you know yeah mm. absolutely i guess um would you would you have a favorite year you think i mean i guess they're all be well, Basically, look, you got one year so, you go, you know what, that was super cool. Well, well, that Pagani was just getting that year. And I, I still <laughs> I still touch myself when I say, you what? Like, the story yeah. behind that, you know, like, so Dino from Speed Hunters rung me one day. He said, look, I'm coming to Australia. He was doing some of the PR for Pagani. 
and he said, can you, um, can you get us a hotel? And I went, yep, no problem. I booked him a hotel. He said, listen, come and meet Alberto, the little guy from Italy who's organising everything. He said, there's a chance one of the cars might be in Australia when your event's on, you know, um, and we might be able to put it on display. I went, for sure, you know, so a little PowerPoint presentation and we went out and had breakfast at, at um, Darling Harbour, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm showing all this stuff. And he goes, he, he goes, stop. I love your passion, you know, Italian, yeah. He goes, I love your passion for you. He said, hey, we have the car, the proper track, Pagani. I will ship it there for you. I went, you're kidding me, right? And you know what? He shook my hand and he did it, man. That was very, they air freighted that car here. And then, at the same time, right, I was bringing, I'd organised to get Suchia here, yeah? So so he's like, and they kept sending my guy emails, hey, what am I driving? I'm going, I don't know yet. You know, look, we're just going to, and then I said, you're driving a Pagani Hawara BC. Like, yeah. Are you serious, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an eye like, There was three of them in the world, you know. And they're, they're, I mean, even back then, I think it was, it was, it was three and a half million euros or something, yeah? Yeah. And um, so, so I don't think it was all that, so that kind of story. And then, then so everyone kept, you know, the whole internet was ablaze with, so she has come up, I wonder what he's driving, you know, everyone's got all these things. He, surely he's going to be driving AA6 or surely he's going to be driving that or wouldn't it be cool to see him in that? And then we went, bang, he's going to the pipe. Wow. Yeah. I so that, that, and also I think the uh, the 767 was pretty cool. Too. Oh, that was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. That was another thing. That, that actually crashed the whole website for a day. I don't think, because there were so many things, we couldn't ever get that back up. It was, back then it was a lot more, yeah, the, the whole internet was not as what it is today. So, yeah. you know, to crash it was a lot easier, you know. I remember I was, I, I was at a Pirelli event in Melbourne about a year ago, and Horatio Pagani was at the event. Yeah, I, yeah, I heard, I heard that too. <laughs> I thought he was this big tall guy. He stood next to me. And he came no. up to about my waist. <laughs> he's not even Italian. He's Argentinian, you know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but that's a cool story in itself, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I seen mm. um. So, to touch on uh, to Shia for a second, obviously yeah. to you he's become a, a buddy. I guess you know. Yeah, I'm good mates with him. And, and we always catch up. You know, but again, a lot of these people become your personal friend. You know, it's not just yeah. business. It's it's um yeah. And and we all every time in Japan, I go and have dinner with him and his wife, and we hang out. And yeah, we've come we've become good mates. You know, he's a really good guy. Really yeah. good. And he's a you know he's a car racer, right? By profession, he's an absolute diehard enthusiast as a human being. You know, yeah. um, and you know when when he first come here, he said to me, you know, he goes. This is actually one of the best events I've ever been to, you know. And I went, "Are you kidding? What? You won the Mon- You come second on the Mons driving the Toyota GT1? You're telling me this is better than that?" He goes, "No, no, that's work. This is fun, you know. Like because then he said you got someone screaming in your ear, slow down, save the fuel, do this, do that, and it's really serious work. But this is fun, and you know you've only got to watch his hot version videos and that to see, you know, like yeah, he's a car nut, you know. Oh, you can see it in the. In, I used to watch all the old best motoring videos from on VHS back in the days yeah. and. You know, yeah. they'd blow your mind. The nice, simple way they'd review the cars and they're just talking, you could see. That, that was going to be my question, basically. I guess um, uh, the professional guy, you see, racing guy, but as a mate, no doubt, he just seems like a normal, humble dude, and I guess he's like that in person, too. Oh, top fella. Yeah, top fella. It's so, you know, so is uh, Taniguchi's good guy. Again, another car nut. Max Arito, top fella. Don't go yep. bring him with him. You won't get home until 7 in the morning, but he's a good guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, another car nut, you know. Give us a rundown of like um of, 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 a, of a, the weekend of time attack. So you wake up Friday morning, you know your day's got to be insane. Like what time you get up, and it is just over the two days. Give us well, like a well, actually, like in years gone by, I was talking to Amy Boatwright, who used to be one of my event managers, and we used to be, you know, my phone battery would be flat by nine a.m. You know, and you just run <laughs> off your feet. These days, we've got a lot of management in in positions, and it's for me. I don't have to actually do anything like I used to. So it's not, you know, I've got people looking after everything. So it's it's not really stressful for me anymore. As long as things are happening, um, yeah. basically I can always walk around without a radio now, which is how it should be really. But um, So I actually I, enjoy it a lot more now than I used to. I guess it probably wasn't like that in the early days, but you were probably <laughs> Oh, it was <laughs> lunacy. Well, we didn't have any staff. We didn't have anything. And, you know, it was still yeah. big even then. And, and everything's like, so what do I... What do I do now, Baker? And I'm going, I don't know. Can you stand there for a second? Let me answer the phone and speak to this guy, you know? Yeah. Well, we don't have that anymore. It's all, um, yeah. And I guess because it's your event, you, brought, you probably wanted to manage everything, micromanage everything, but then you sort of learned to let go a bit, I guess. Well, I mean, I used to unpack the containers, right from unpacking the containers to sweeping the floor with the garage before we went home. But, 
you, it's too much. You can't. You learn. You you live and learn that you know you just can't do it all yourself, and you burn out, and then you start making more mistakes. And so you know, it's um, yeah. But we're ten years deep, so yeah. you know. Mm. To touch on the the word, the, the filthy word in everyone's mouth, COVID. I guess um, you saw it early. You obviously pulled the pin early because I guess um, not bad foresight for a, for an event. You know, I guess person running so, person is yourself. Is that? What's the story well, so there, the first I guess. thing for us, over and above what, what say, even V8 Supercars have to think of or, mm-hmm. or any of the other series, apart from Formula One, yeah. we're international, right? Yeah. So it's World Time Attack. Um, my shipping agent rung me in February and said, listen, if you're going to run that event this year, you want to be very careful because we're already having trouble with freight, wow. um, with containers getting stuck in China. And he said, I just advise you to think very carefully. And then so I knew, and then I could... I knew there was going to be border closures, and that, that was the biggest fear. So I imagine you got under Suzuki yeah. coming, you got all these cars coming, and they can't get in. Yeah. So uh, there was a chance it was going to be all good by by October. There's a big chance it wasn't going to be, and as you can see now, it's not going to be. Um, Potentially. So yeah. basically, I sat down with the CEO of Sydney Motorsport Park, and he said, "You know, you need to make a commitment to us now." My, my suggestion is think very carefully because there's no out clause. And once you sign the document, which is fair, you know, you're the right thing to buy me, and said, you know, this is this is our document, and if you take it on, you've got to take it on, which I have every year. Um, but this year was very different, you know, um, yeah. and I just didn't feel good about it. So I just said, no matter what, we're going to make a decision now. I believe I'm making the right decision. As it turns out, I couldn't have been more right, you know. <laughs> as, as sad as it is, you know, yeah. but um, look, and it's affecting everything. I'm watching all the stuff with, you know, the poor V8 supercars and all any of the sports that run nationally, like, they're yeah. planning, you know, we're, okay, we're going back to Sydney Motorsport Park now. Well, now the Victorian teams can't get here. Now, you know, it's, it's just, it's an absolute debacle. It's, I mean, it's a, a once in a hundred year thing, isn't it? You know, but what do you do? we just got to, yeah. Yeah, just got to get on with the out, show. Man. Get on with the show, I guess. I yeah, guess, um, so 2021, I guess no doubt it's sort of like if you get the feels for it to be right, it's a matter of just picking up the notebook and, and, and starting from the point one. Well, so, so I mean, I've, I've been asked this many times. And, this, yeah. and I mean, we've created a, a monster, really. And this guy, and without the investment of people from around the world building cars to come here, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have what we are today. So I respect all that. And I've got people like emailing me weekly. Man, I've, got a, I've just spent half a million bucks on a car to come to your event. I'm like, can you guarantee we were going to run next year? I'm going, well, how can I guarantee anything like this? Yeah. Look, normally I'd say absolutely, but... In these conditions, I can't see, you know, if our borders aren't open, well, you can't get in. Yeah. So there is a possibility we could run a national event, and I was actually going to start talking about that. I had a meeting planned with the New South Wales government to discuss this in, in July, but, you know, when you see all the borders are closed again, there's no point in discussing it. You're really just, you know, wasting your time and theirs, and we just got to sit on the fence until, you know, not, not lose the passion, but we can't, you know. Even, even you know, people said you should put videos up. I'm going, it just encourages. People are hungry for what we do. And I don't mm. blame it. Like, I love it too. But if I keep, we've just got to wait till it calms down a bit and we can get some light at the end of the tunnel, then we start getting a bit of a clarity of when we can go again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mate, I look forward to uh, that being the truth, hopefully. You know, uh, it's a killer event you've made, mate, over the years, putting in all the hard work. I guess, um, I know that a lot of other... You've had people help you along the way, but as the, as the rock star of the show, mate, I, I, it's credit to you. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it, man. No worries, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. We really appreciate it. We could talk all day. <laughs> Good to talk to you. No Up worries. Up <laughs> I, I looked for my, uh, my my Chelsea scarf. I couldn't find yeah. it, so, you know. <laughs> maybe you, after you beat us, maybe we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks right. again, man. Thanks, Good Baker. All right. Yeah, Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. We're here with a very cool person indeed. He's one of my favourite people of the motoring world, one of a handful also that gives me proper beard envy. He's recently moved from editor of Street Machine magazine to a new role with the same publisher, brand content director, overseeing magazines such as Wheels, Motor, 4x4 Australia, Unique Cars and Street Machine. Welcome, Simon Telford, or as we all know him, Telfo. Tell us, Telfo, you're surely living the automotive dream this far in life, right? It's the best job in the world, mate. It's got to be, surely. I want to take it you back is. to. <laughs> I want to take you back right to the start, mate. Let's rewind all the way. Tell us about early Telfo days. How did you get into cars? From my family, uh, both my grandfather's are mechanics and my uncles in the seventies had Tiranas, GTRs, SLRs. Another one raced Speedway. 
But my stepdad's my biggest influence. He's right into early Holdens, FXs and FJs. So got to, you know, watch him building cars from a very early age, then going on car runs with those guys, going to the drags at Surface Paradise, Group C touring cars at Lakeside. You know, we drive around our Trana. Our next door neighbour drive there in his RX-7 and we watch Brock and, Brock and Moffat race around Lakeside. In those days, you could park right up against the fence and watch yeah. in your car. Wow. It was the dream. And he also brought every car magazine on earth home. So street machine, street and street, performance street car, wheels, motor, the whole lot. So I never had any chance I was always going to be a car dude. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm guessing from that, Telf, that you uh, must have grown up in Queensland when you said you went to Lakeside. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So Bundaberg and then down to Brizzy. Yeah, right. And then we got yeah. dragged to Sydney in 87. Be cool being a Lakeside back in those days. Like, if you imagine the cool pics you could have from, like, you're just doing some candid shots around there. Like, you some cool dudes dressed in some cool gear and cool cars. Amazing. It's the first time I ever saw Purvis Eureka. I would remember these, these little kit cars based on a V-dub where the whole canopy raises up and there was two of them yeah. parked up against the fence. And I'm like, Dad, is that a Ferrari? And he's like, no, it's just a No. Poor <laughs> <laughs> <Morning>, Ferrari. <laughs> yep. What was your first Not car? Not as poor time? as that guy who, yeah, backed his F40 into the trees today. Oh, I saw yeah. that today, yeah. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, even though it's Tuesday and it's live, everyone, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, the other week. <laughs> That's right. What was your first car, Telf? Not a Ferrari F40, I, I don't imagine. No, FJ Holden, of course. Um, of course. In Sydney, off a guy called Butch Brown, who's very famous in the FX and FJ scene. Typical hottie, red motor, triples, drum brakes, you know, all the go and no slow. Um, <laughs> and I painted it up like an Appendix J car, race car. And I drove that every day for years to work in Sydney traffic, like... Man, before the uh, M2 was made up sort of uh, up from, you know, the Hills District up to uh, North Ride, like slogging it through the traffic and up and down Parramatta Road. Crazy. Like, why did I do that? It was an angry, stupid car. <laughs> Beer loved it. Drove it to Queensland. We went to the FXFJ Nationals in Tassie one year. Yeah, fantastic car. Taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about, uh, you know, once my stepdad moved back to Queensland, I had to like fix the bloody thing myself then and like got no money. So you got to do everything yourself. And that's yeah, really when you learn learn the bits and pieces, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, with a, car, with a car like that, no doubt you were very hands-on. Constantly covered in grease and smelling like petrol and oil and yeah, typical stupid young guys. And of course, like <laughs> I didn't have a, I didn't have a trolley jack probably the first 10 years, just a bottle jack. And you look back and you go, what was wrong with me? How did we? Yeah, yeah. And you're like pulling gearboxes out of cars with a bottle jack and a couple of axle stands. You go, nah. I remember I put a bottle jack on the side of an Evo once and I crushed all the silly. Like, yep. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Telf, I'm, I'm aware that you like um, early Holdens, obviously. Mm-hmm. Do, you have, do you have a favorite uh, like FX, FJ? I reckon you would. What, yep, you absolutely. Like? Yeah. Uh, to start with, was Rex Webster's for a long time. Still I thought that car, of course. Yeah. The, awesome. D- that car just changed the game and the detail on that engine bay with his it brother did. Tony, brother Tony, of course. Like, and took it to the states and dominated over there. Like, who would think to do that? Yeah. In the late eighties, early nineties, like he was so far ahead of his time. Sure was. But probably my favourite ever is Colin Townsend's FJ, I, which won Strategy of the Year. What did I know you were going to say that? It, it was just an awesome car. And I actually caught up with him money a, probably a year or two ago. And, yeah, and even though he had to sell the car, he's still sort of like the custodian of it. So it's yep. pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah, like it came out of that Mark Sanders era of early yep. pro, pro touring. So this car, if you have never seen it, is like an FJ that's been widened and has basically race car chassis, has a big angry Holden V8 with, quad webbers, top loader, the engine's set right back, the massive gearbox tunnel comes into the cabin, so you're fully sitting up like a race car. And I remember reading the original story and the guy got to drive it then and he's like, yeah, this thing handles and stops and does everything right. Then I got to drive it when I joined Street Machine and he was right. It's one of the most sorted cars I've ever been in, highly modified cars. Everything works. Yeah. Everything's there for a reason. Incredible car. Yeah, and it's black. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. A lot of people know you for your EJ Holden uh, Telvo. Give us some background on that car. Yeah. So after I sold my FJ, I briefly bought an MX-5 because I thought I need to buy a car that handles motor. I'm a motoring journalist. I need to have, you know, need to, have to learn how to drive. So I eventually figured that was a bad idea. Got rid of that. Bought a stock EJ that was running, but had lots of rust. 
And I was kind of influenced by Paul Kelly, who's one of the you know big, mm. big, big uh, behind the scene guys in the Australian custom scene, a real custodian of that custom heritage. Definitely. Him and another guy, Aidan Jacoby, who draws a lot of concepts. Uh, a lot of the cars you see unveiled at Summonats have had Aidan, uh, you know, drawing up the concept for them. So those guys designed the car for me. Paul did some of the bodywork on it. And it's got lots of – it's basically a uh, designed to be a 1960s mild custom car. So lots of subtle body mods, candy paint, metal flake roof, all that stuff, all the period engine stuff. So very slow but kind of cool. And, yeah, love that car. Had such a good time in that car, yeah. There's pictures of it all over Australia. What is, what's some crazy stuff you've done in it? Oh, man, we've been everywhere in that car. The first gig was Summonats. Uh, you know, like, typical story, like, got it registered on, like, New Year's Eve in Queensland. We built it up. All got done in Queensland because that's where the family was and that's where my mates were. And just spent a few months that year building the car up there. Screamed down to Summonats. Got, like, within... 50 k's of Canberra and it popped a seal, like a, a rear main seal or something like that. So, yes, somehow I got it into the rare spares pavilion without getting oil all over the place. <laughs> and I left, actually left it in Canberra and there's an old, a guy there who races Appendix J, FXs and EJs and he sorted that for me and brought it home. And since then it went everywhere into Barkledine, which is in the middle of outback Queensland. They run a drag meet out there. So I drove up there with Simon Davids one year, raced it up there. It's been to Red Senate of course, drove it all the way there for the first one. That was just an amazing experience. If you can ever ever get the chance to drive to Red Senate from one of the other capitals in a street machine, you should do that. Yeah. It's been the Custom Nationals and Grease Fest at one. You know, not a very good card detailer, as my colleague Boris Viskovic will tell you. <laughs> but, yeah, it won Best Aussie Custom at those shows a couple of times. So, yeah, super yeah, proud of that car. So, you win a son in it as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, love love Winter Sun. Um, that yeah. was yeah. Oh, Curly rocks right. now, but yeah. Yeah, one of the best times ever. Yeah, it's really good. I, I believe it's no more. So, <laughs> what's the story there, mate? She's dead. Um, I decided to go to the Mud Run, which is a really cool event, kind of like Chopped up in the with Web- um, yeah with Webby. With Webby, yep, and yeah, started driving, and uh, it was raining, and things went pear shaped in a big way, and got collected by a guy. Oh. I was very lucky not to be – I got out of the car before he hit me and um, oh. I was so super lucky not to be – if I was in the car, I think I'd be in a bit of a mess. So I got hit on the back and then it pushed it into the wall, got the front. So she's kind of in a bad way. The roof is bent and you could fix it. Like, mm. you know, if I got Owen and a bunch of other guys together, I'm sure I could fix it, but it would be a lot of money and a lot of time and it's like I don't know if I have the, the heart to do it. So I might yeah. rebody the car, get an, get another shell, put put some other put some of the bits in there, and let it continue that way. You know. Yeah, I, I actually heard that from um, a, a colleague of your or a friend of yours of mine, Frank Tedesco. Oh yeah. Mate, uh, aren't we aren't we lucky to have uh, guys like him still in our scene, mate? When he goes, man, uh, hey, we're going to lose so much history, aren't we? Lucky with Frank, he's got his son, Anthony, who yes, was passing all the... Frank is true. one of those last of the real mechanics who... Isn't he? he can, you drive into the driveway and you've come into like, oh, this thing is, I can't figure out how to fix this. He'll hear five other things just yeah. by, by ear. Yeah. <laughs> he got to know him through Mario Colua, who did a lot of work yeah. on Mario's Cadillac Correct. and other cars in this, like he's a real suspension guru. But yeah, if there isn't anything about early Holdens, he doesn't know. He's the yeah, man. fantastic. Very not, funny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not only old Holdens you like. You've had a Lincoln Continental, a massive one of those with suicide doors. What's that like to drive around? Surely nuts. They're, the, they're a crazy car. Um, <laughs> I went to America to buy a, I thought, oh, you know, people, the dollar was good then and people were bringing a lot of cars back. So I thought, I'll oh, go get a 61 Thunderbird. I've always liked one of those, make a mole custom out of that. Couldn't find one. And all the stuff you hear about, oh, you go to this state or that state, it's dry, like there's no rust. Yeah. Not true in my experience. You can find <laughs> rusty cars anywhere. And, of course, Americans don't have the same idea about rust as we do. I think they think if you can't see a giant hole in the door, it's not rusty. And you'll get under the car and go, why can't I put my, my fist through the floor? <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Because They obviously don't have the rego sort of checks that we have, you know. They can get away with a lot more. As you know. So, yeah, we bought this uh, Lincoln off a jazz musician in uh, Austin, Texas. Really cool dude. 
and yeah, drove it back across Route 66, which is real, what a desert. Like in one minute you're in the desert and it's wily Coyote territory, you know, the roadrunner with a crazy thing sticking up out of the ground and big meteor, meteor uh, craters. Yeah. And then, Fantastic. you know, six hours later you're in the mountains and it's snowing. <laughs> and, I'm and Lincolns are like worse than Cadillacs. They're really complicated cars. They're super high tech for the day. Like they have really trick things, um, lots of you know luxuries in them, but they still have drum brakes and things like wacky things like vacuum central locking. So there's miles of vacuum lines in the things, and you know it's <laughs> yeah. got all this stuff, but then it still just has a lap seatbelt. Anyway, they're such beautiful cars to drive. This one brakes were absolutely shot, which was fine when you're out in Route 66, but when you're coming into LA at uh, 80 miles an hour and everybody else is doing 90 miles an hour, pretty scary. But yeah, we got it home, fixed her up, um, hopper stoppers guys, put some disc brakes on it for us. And yeah, really enjoyed cruising around in that car, went to Summit Arts in it, went to Chopped in it, yeah. But then we moved to Melbourne, it didn't fit in our garage, it just literally was too big. And I left it in Sydney for a couple of years and used it as my Sydney car. I was like paying for a space there and I'd fly in and get it and of course it wouldn't start, you know. But it was cool to have it a sec, have it, have it there as my Sydney car, but that was kind of getting too expensive, so sold it in the end. Yeah, a bit sad. Yeah. Babraham Lincoln. I always <laughs> remember Babraham. <laughs> What's in the shed now, mate? Uh, I got me old Trumpy, old Trumpy Triumph motorbike and a HZ one tonner. So like the week after I crashed the EJ, I was like, I have to do something to deal with this trauma. And I've always wanted one tonner and found one in Bundaberg. So I flew up there, got it, drove it home, picked up some crap for some mates on the way back <laughs> and I've had it ever since. And yeah, it's pretty much every time I've taken it out is they say never buy a ute or never tell anybody you've got one because Pretty right. much, I've had to pick something up every single time for somebody. So it's earned its keep. It's cool, but I think uh, next I'd like a wagon or a van. They're a bit more practical, especially to go to those big events like Red Center Nats, and you can sleep yeah. in the thing. Sleep and, in the back, yeah. Yeah, haul lots of stuff. And, you know, we always have camera gear and all that jazz. So, yeah, we'll, uh, when COVID settles down, I might put it on the market and see what else I can find. Nice. You do a bit of drag racing too, right, mate? Yeah, I'm really lucky that way. My stepdad has raced or built um, probably three FX drag cars. A couple mm-hmm. of them have been like fiberglass bodies based off the famous Wild Bill Smith funny car. Mm-hmm. And the last one he's built is a steel gasser. So that's the nose in the air and angry thing. It's called Barbara <laughs> Ann, which is my mum's name. And, you know, I get to drive it. So I uh, fly to Queensland a couple of times a year and race it in the nostalgia drags up there. And, wow. yeah, it's amazing so much fun really good group of guys uh we're hoping to take it when COVID settles down take it down to sydney and race it at kind of a gas wars event that they had the fuel altered um deal that graham count put on last yep. year they had a whole massive gases came from all over the country for that and yeah. we want to be a part of that so we'll definitely be back the next time that happens sooner rather than later yeah, mate. interesting when you said that i just twigged in my mind i went to uh like twice i've been to the uh, 55, 56, 57 nationals in the States at Bowling Green, and they have all the gases there. Oh, man, that was one of the greatest meetings I've ever been to in my life. They probably had, from memory, about 40 gases, but, like, obviously mid-50 Chevys. It was awesome. amazing. Yeah. Wow. You would love that. <laughs> yeah, the scale of stuff in America blows your mind. Like, yeah. you go to a race meet and, you know, instead of, you know, four or five, you know, Nitro yeah. funny cars, nostalgia dragsters. They'll have 40 of them. And go, yeah. Wow. And they're all going fast. And I just couldn't, couldn't believe the, the stability. I'm like, you, when you see them, they're so high and the, the beam, I've been front end and everything. And you think, but this, they're running, they were, some of the good ones there were running seven and eight seconds. Like they're really killer cars. Yeah. Yep. Touch on Street Machine for a bit, Telfo's. Being the yeah. editor, obviously, is pretty, it's a pretty prestige magazine in Australia. I mean, must have been a dream come true at the time. Is that what sort of what you'd... Oh, I never dreamed I could even work for them, let alone be the editor. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, every day I get up and even now in during COVID times, it's pretty tough. Like, yeah. um, you know, we're obviously glad to have a job, but, yeah, we're mm-hmm. working super hard and a lot of our mates don't have any work and that we normally would give work to. So it's pretty mm-hmm. stressful, but I still wake up every morning and go, 
oh yeah, better go to work. I mean, I'm at home. I can't go to the office. We can't go and do much, but it's still like, hell yeah. I'll talk about cars today. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. What's, what's it like though in a nutshell to be editor of Street Machine? Oh, I'm sure it's, it's not all, all glam. It's a lot of hard work, no doubt too. <laughs> Um, it's a lot different. It was pretty good for a while there before the internet came along. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was really, really cool. And the internet has opened everything up. So there's a lot more opportunity, yeah. but there's, uh, yeah, know, a lot more work as well. Instagram yeah. video stuff to do video is So time intensive to do. Um, yeah. so yeah. it's a, you know, back in the day, yeah, we used to have some pretty good trips to the pub, you know, on, <laughs> on a Friday and not come back, but uh, those days are mostly over, unfortunately. But the upside is, yeah, we get to, you know, and interact with people. Like you go to some of that, you meet, I must meet 400 people over a weekend. Oh, I can't yeah. imagine how many people I want to talk to. <laughs> but now yeah. like through, through Instagram and Facebook, I'm meeting all these people from crazy parts of the country who are doing crazy shit at home that I never get, probably never get to meet, even though I do yeah. try and get to as many shows as I can. And that's, that's probably the best part of it these days yeah. is just seeing what's happening in every corner of the country. Yeah. Mate, you, you've had some awesome cars and like, so you, I see you at a lot of events and you've had some awesome cars in the, in the magazine. Do you have any sort of standout favourite cars over that period of time? Oh, before my time, when I grew up, all my, all my icon cars were Holdens, of course, because I was a yep. Holden kid. Yep. So like I said, Rex Webster's, Rex Webster's FJ, Collins. HQ, Collins, FJ, uh, the Bootchamp, Tirana, Mark Sanders cars. We've got a big story on Mark Sanders in the magazine that just came out actually, where we oh, interview great. him and see what he's building. He's building like a Pagoda Mercedes with oh, a Holden wow. motor in it, which is really cool. So yeah, it's good. cool in like, you know, to be so far ahead of the curve, him and Craig Parker with the pro touring type of car. It's yeah. great to see what those guys are doing now. Yeah, and uh, Phil Rotter's Tirana, which is also being rebuilt. Can't wait. You know, it, the Raging it, Bull Tirana. It is. I actually, he's on my list for unveiling, so absolutely. Pretty much everybody's, you know, favourite pro street car ever. Yeah. And of the new new era, I mean, really soft spot for the Adamore Breeze EH. That was one of the first covers I kind of organised and went to the shoot and it just came, the fact that he built in his backyard and painted his backyard. He was a yeah. bobcat driver who just... <laughs> His wife was just trying to study and he was giving her the shit. So he just taught himself to build a car that was so audacious in its planning and execution. Um, yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. That was an incredible car. Um, Adam Barnes's Hard HT is still one of yeah. my favorites. Like an amazing photo shoot by Easton Chang. But also, again, he was just nailed it. Like the interior on that car, the, uh, it's what people should be doing. I think it's like it keeps the the 60s muscle car vibe but updates it and makes it really sexy yeah it was a great car yeah mm. I know a lot of the guys on the uh, on the street machine team and over the years they've always said what a legend boss you are mate uh, <laughs> what's, what's key to being a good boss in automotive publishing because I know it can be hectic and I'm sure they, the guys would say the key would be good stuff right <laughs> Well, Jeff Seddon was my editor when I started and he taught me everything I know. And his rule was surround yourself with geniuses. And I've, that's pretty much when I got the job and we had to move from Sydney to Melbourne. We had to pretty much start from scratch. The first person I called was Scott Taylor and uh, never regretted that decision for one moment. He uh, took us into the video age. He started his own YouTube channel, Scotty's Garage, a long time yeah. ago. He was shooting yeah. on tape yeah. before <laughs> yeah. the digital era. That's how far back he goes. Correct, and he was really popular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, still is. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so he invented Carnage, which is, you know, just a copy of Roadkill basically on a budget in Australia yeah. and with, yeah. you know, with five bucks to spend, like a tiny budget to start with. <laughs> he's built it up into this... Massive thing, um, and he's got it, you know, fully decked out workshop now with hoists and all the gear. And yeah, I'll take my hat off to him for his perseverance and passion. And you know, yeah, like they say, you should never read your YouTube comments. Like YouTube, the comments on YouTube are just the worst of the worst. Yeah. yeah. But the people on there just engage with him and are really passionate and love what he's doing and can relate to him because he's, you know, we're not pretending to be master mechanics or anything. Like Scotty's a pretty dab head with a spatter, but he's just figuring out as he goes along, and he, all his mistakes are there. Whatever we we do wrong, or we blow something up, yep, it's there. We don't hide anything. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think that's what what people dig. We've got great sponsors. We've got Ryobi, Valvoline, and Heron Forbes. We couldn't do it without those guys, but it's because Scotty puts the effort in to make sure those guys get the value that um, 
it's become a become a workable thing. Yeah, absolutely. I know, like I know all the other guys too, like Broads and stuff over the years, they've always said what a great boss you are. And it's, it's really cool to see Broad sort of step in there. You know, he's a super car dude, you know. So he's had yep. the same kind of dude that's had the same car since 15, 16, same Toronto, still fiddling with it today, you know. Yeah. No, he's the real deal. Like I love those photos of him. Like this gangly 16-year-old doing a burnout in the shed while his parents <laughs> yeah. were away. I've seen that photo. You know, and then he's, yep, doing wheelies at, Western Sydney Dragway last year in the bloody in the same car, like, uh, yeah, and just suffers with it, and it, like has all the struggles and blows up every gearbox known to man, and but just sticks with it, and it's a great car. It's one of those, you know, it's identified with him. You know, you even if you sold that car, you'd have to paint it and change it completely because it's always great. Be broad, just he, he talks about selling a lot, but I don't think he will. No, <laughs> I don't think he could. No, no. just just to touch on uh, the shitty COVID, I guess. Uh, Bit of a pain for a, for a publishing in itself. What sort of uh, it's obviously presents problems with shooting cars, but you guys seem to have, from even speaking to broads and, and yourself, pushing through, and everybody's working so hard just to keep the content. It keeps coming the latest issues, like rad. Man, you know? we were so uh, excited to have the burnouts back at Summonats organised yeah. for what this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah that had to get pushed back. So you mean last last weekend, right? Last yeah. weekend. I did. It. You want to start again? No, 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 it's no. all good. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it as easy. But, but luckily, luckily, at uh, the Kender guys up in Queensland are racing this weekend. So our, our good mate Ashley Wilson's up there covering that for us. So yeah, we're really lucky. We've had some people donate their time because we our budgets are slashed, um, unfortunately. Mm. And but yeah, Broads and Iron, Brett and Leah, and everybody else just and Ken are just yeah pedaling as hard as we can to make the content. It's it, it's fun, you know kind of do all the hard stuff during the day and at night time do the Instagram and the the video stuff as a bit yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. I was going to touch on drag chumps because I've been to a few now just for the first day or two uh, in the last two years. That's something you, you brought to life, right? Like it's something, a bit of a bit of a child of your own. It's, it's definitely Scotty's child. Um, okay. I wouldn't have had the balls to do it without <laughs> Scotty. Because, again, it's a copy of something from the States. It's just Australian yeah. version of Drag Week. But in- drag Week, yeah. In Drag Week, you can drive a top door slammer down the road and the cops will just wave to you. <laughs> and a little bit different in Australia. So yeah. we never we thought, man, if we put this on, everybody in this event could just end up in a slammer or have their car defected. And everybody said that, oh, it'll never work. You know, the cops will wreck it. But not true. And how many years we're in now, yeah, six, six or seven yeah, years. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, six, yeah. Gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, yeah, that's full credit to Scotty for having the dream to do it and I put a lot of work into it too. I love it. I love the coverage of it. Like mm. trying to, we don't have, because of our, our second rate broadband. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, Malcolm. <laughs> um, it's really hard to do a quality live stream in the bush. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. we don't, I love the drag week live stream. I would love to do that. Um, but it just isn't a thing right at the moment. So just working out all the ways we can give, cause it's like some of there are a thousand stories yeah. There are, yeah. Like some years we have like almost 250 cars. Some of these dudes drive from Perth. Yeah. Like not yeah. tow their car, drive from Perth and then drive it for five days from track to track all around Victoria or I Adelaide. Or Australia. And race it. Yeah. In November, yeah. in the heat or the dust or the rain, it's going to be one or the other. It's never just nice in their streak. And then they drive home to Western Australia. Like <laughs> what is wrong with these people? They're so no, passionate. They're so you know? passionate. But, and I, I've already said on one of the previous podcasts, um, Simon, that what they're doing there is they're starting to build cars now. It's sort of where the burnout started now, really special cars for the mm. cars for the burnout. And now they're building really special cars for the whole drag challenge thing. I was, I was with a guy again today. He's building a 2000 horsepower engine for his X, XWU just to get out there and, the gold one? No, the red one from Orange, the okay. Moroni oh, one yeah, from Orange. Yeah. John. Yep. Yeah, yep. so crazy, isn't it? What's going yeah. on? No, it's, it's, yeah, you go into any chassis shop or yeah. engine builder and there'll be one drag challenge car there now. 100%. Yeah. And they're so varied. Like yeah. there'll be a guy with a V-dub, like a fast aspirated 12-second yeah. V-dub, right through to these, yeah, seven-second cars that are knocking on 200 miles an hour, which is mm. pretty and phenomenal. How about, how about that? How about that wheel stand that Pat pulled last year or year before? Wasn't that just unbelievable in the XR from Queensland? The the oh, Moroni gold Pat, one. 
the big wheel stand. Uh, yeah. yeah, Pat from Pat's Pro Resto's yeah. massive. Wasn't that uh, unreal? Mark, Mark Drew has pulled a wheel stand like that in his trainer. Yeah, they certainly. Yeah. The guys like to run on a small tire. There's there's some yeah. guys run big tires, but they kind of like to run a two seven five, and that's just the thing they want to do. They want to see who can be the fastest on a on yeah. a two seven five, and yeah, it's if fantastic. you. Uh, if you uh, hook up, sometimes they really hook up. <laughs> I love yeah, Australian love Talisman, it, Scotty. Love it. I hope we get to hope we get to do it this year. The plan is yeah, to do I it. Too. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, you know, if re- things really don't get better in Victoria, maybe we'll do it in Sydney or maybe we'll do it in Queensland, like a smaller okay. version. But yeah, we definitely good. have. It's like someone else. We just got to keep rolling on. You know, even WA. Cool. Who knows? <laughs> Pete, there is there's a dude in WA who's super passionate about. If they only have one real track over there, yeah. But he's co- kind of got it. He's talked to a few people and planned it out where we can do it on on airstrips. And it's our cars are too fast for airstrips. They yeah. just um, are way too gnarly. But there's probably a, like a pro touring type of not pro touring. What, what's that? Hot rod. Um, Hot rod's big touring event. Oh, and, um, just oh, no, my mind. the power tour. Power tour. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a power tour type event where you're yeah, not there to correct. race for sheep stations or run run sevens, but you're cruising yeah. in your cool car and having a bit of fun. So, yeah, maybe yeah. that's something we can do in Perth one day. I just, want to, I just love when Scotty gets in the back of the ute on the first day and he's like, all right, welcome to the track challenge with the big microphone and everyone sort of comes in and he lays down the yeah. law and <laughs> lays down the law and yeah. basically says the end of it, you know, go and have fun. It's, yeah, it's yeah. great. And they do. People behave themselves like they know they're out there they've got to make it to the end yeah. and that's the balls of this thing like you are a long way if you're from queensland and you're in the middle of rural victoria and you blow your car up you're a long way from home <laughs> the audacity in the the balls of these guys and girls is uh incredible i love Even it what's at risk though in the, in the pits it's that's the cool vibes it's like super cool vibes in the pits walking around yeah everybody's happy hey mate hey, you know like it's Really, really cool. Yeah, everybody helps each other. There's, all, you know, a lot. Of, even even the guys who are super competitive and are racing for the overall win will help each other. So that's what I was going to say. Even the people like Frank from Danny Eng yeah. is like those guys. They're still so friendly and yeah. just help everybody out, don't they? Yeah. So Harry, who won last year in the HQ, he did a rocker in the middle of nowhere. And he put out the call and Frank had one. And look, it was Frank's team. So Daniel with the Monaro versus Harry. They're the two guys who were in it. Yeah. And they're so close. And he, but he gave me a rocket. And I don't think that would happen in any other form of motorsport. No, I don't think However, so. Yeah. They did tie it to a grain silo about uh, 100 metres in the air. <laughs> Go and get so it. They had to climb up and get it. And that's, that's the spirit of Drag Challenge. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Well done, guys. Great, great. I event. hope to see it, mate. I definitely hope to see it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, mate. You're, no a, super, worries, love it. you're a super legend, mate. Appreciate no, like your time. Was. I'm sure everybody's liked uh, <laughs> Thanks, mate. He's yeah. a slip, thanks. He's a now, I think. <laughs> thanks, Calvin. Really good to catch up, mate. No yeah, worries, absolutely. mate. Hopefully we'll see you in Canberra. Yeah. Yeah, We're definitely. On. All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Telf. See you, mate. We'll catch Bye. up. How about those guys? Baker, Telf, awesome dudes, right? As I said to you, they both got a lot of passion. Uh, what Ian had, he's actually got a really, really good vision. And as I said to you, I think he supported us and I supported him or we supported him from the first event. And he had this this terrific vision and he never, ever, ever swayed from it. Just built and built and he's got a great event. Yeah, really yeah. good event. Yeah, yeah, super. That's why. I, that's why I said in the in the in the intro, I said, "Crazy guy," not because crazy, because you know he's got that just that determination. Take one piece of paper, you know, and take the and the guys from Yokohama to Japan and say, "We want all these cars." They're like, "Who yeah. are you?" You know, and yeah. it's like, and they took it to into America. The same thing. Like that takes guts. Yeah, absolutely. And like the risk, but what a great reward. And also with Telf, another guy with a lot of passion. He's a guy that started off at the bottom and just through hard work, actually. Uh, going to so many events, talking to the right people, getting to know the right people, and just building and building, and building and working hard. And look where he is now. He's uh, got a senior yeah. role with Bauer Media. So what a what a great great career he's had. And he is actually living the dream. He loves what he does. He is like the sensei of like automotive publishing. He's just a <laughs> cool, calm dude. Who's like you know, uh, he's just a, yeah. he's he's a, a good guy to have a chat with. And as everybody yes. would have enjoyed that, definitely. All right, don't forget to get your tickets for Summonats 2021 and your entries in because those 2,000 spots for entries will 
to your life. There's no doubt about it. Just don't wait around. Get your entries in and then you know it's done. Same as the tickets. If you want to come and spectate because if people locked away and someone at some time in January, the place is going to be packed. Packed. Yeah. And exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a really big event. You were saying like, well, it could be, there could be, you know, 40 cars to reveal. Who knows? You know, like big yeah. deals. Yeah, there's over 40 new cars to split up between MotorX and, and Summonet. So, and a lot of those guys just want to do Summonet. So, yeah. yeah, very exciting times. All right. Obviously, we've said at the intro that this is the second last episode of season one of the Ride It Out podcast. Uh, next week's people that we're going to have on, we can't reveal that just yet. <laughs> but you will learn more in the coming days. Keep an eye on, on the Summonet socials. It's going to be a river. Yeah. It's going to be give real good insight into into some background on some uh, on what Summonats is about and all that kind of stuff. Where yeah, you- I've been doing uh, while this has been locked while we've been locked down. I've been doing a, a full history on Chick Henry and Summonats, so we'll have a little bit of information about that and where you can listen to that next week mm-hmm. as well. So, looking forward to that. Yeah, hundred percent. But we will be coming back. If you want to email us, podcast at summonats.com.au. Tell us what you've loved about season one. Let us know what, you, what you'd like us to slide and slot into season two, which will come after Red Santa Nats, obviously, but let us know. We want to know. We want to know all the little stuff like that. You want to see Webby do some cooking or something like that? <laughs> mm, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, burnt toast, that's what it'd be. All right. Oh, good. This is it for Podcast 16. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Cheers. See you, Webby. Bye, mate. Cheers.